Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots, check Hello, all my people. If you're watching live, checking this out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Pause and Chair Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, and if not, we'll sprinkle in our end. You know, so we still get over. I am your host, a chef by trade and work by choice. I am the Will Gray. Joining me tonight, I'm hyped. He's the co-host of The Rewind. He's the kennel master behind Route 4 Kennels. He is the divan to my Bubba Ray. RN, welcome back, Bubba. How are you? Pretty good. Testify, my brother. That's it. That's how we do it. Also joining us tonight is the man who comes with his own disclaimer, and that is the opinions of the yellow shoe guy are his and his alone and do not reflect that of Botch Bots and Chair Shots or the Smack Thrall Podcast Network. Bobby <laughs> Mac, how are you? Dude, I am doing so great. Like, this is the biggest trade, like, going on right now. Like, the biggest one probably since Babe Ruth, Red Sox, and the Yankees, uh, since Griner, Griner and Bout, uh, I'm going back to Florida. Texas has negotiated my freedom. I get to go back home. So excited. Are you sure they negotiated or they're just letting you go? Hey, listen, Governor of Florida really wanted me back. Mm. And listen, some of his views do reflect me. I I do agree with 90% of his shit. So right. that disclaimer is not 100% accurate. That's a, a, a yellow shoe guy endorsement for Mr. 8984. Absolutely. And rounding out our... Our quartet of personalities here is the Hova to my Beyonce. She is the Bonnie to my Clyde. She is the brains behind the operation. She is the boss business, Allison Siegel. Allison, how are you? I'm good. Good? <laughs> good. All right, guys. I always start this episode. They always go the same way. Um, I always start. Why is you guys pissed off for greatness? Uh, I'm going to start. Bobby, what has you the most upset this week in the world of professional wrestling? Um, I'm going to skip the one topic uh, because I know Allison will bring it up later. So, yeah, I'm not going to say anything about that. Um, I'll tell you what, the fact that um, the Briscoes uh, won the belts in ROH, that, that pisses me off. Like, dude, FTR is the best tag team out there right now. The Briscoes are best part-timers. They're not even allowed on AEW TV. But yet, AEW doesn't have the balls to push them on their TV but they can push them on their pay-per-views. That just pisses me off Pisses me off for FTR, and it also pisses me off for the Briscoes. If they're that talented, then Tony should be able to stand behind them. Absolutely. RN, you're up. What has you pissed off I, for greatness? It's actually kind of goes in line with uh, my esteemed colleague, Yellow Shoe Guy. I absolutely thought that the Ring of Honor pay-per-view was... It wasn't ass. Like, it was a good show, but... This show kind of even reminded me, like, it didn't feel like a Ring of Honor show. It felt like a fucking AEW show. Like, it was literally AEW light. It was like when WWE took over, started running the ECW shows. That's what it felt like to me. So, like, I love Ring of Honor. Like, that's why I wanted, when you first announced this show, I was the first one to jump on saying, I got to be on this show. And, like, watching that show, I was excited for it. And it just, and I, and I, I don't want to make it seem like I didn't enjoy the show. And, like, some of the matches weren't dope, but, like, it, it just felt like an episode of Dynamite, if I'm being 100% honest. In some parts, Rampage. In some parts, <laughs> Rampage, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Like, And I know they had some Ring of Honor guys pa- past and stuff on there, like 
I love Dalton. I love a couple of other guys that was on there. But like I said, it still just felt like an episode of Dynamite. Even the main event to me felt like a Dynamite main event. Like, it was dope. Don't get me wrong. And I don't think the Briscoe should have won either, even though I'm not the biggest FTR fan if you guys uh, watch our shows. But that they are literally the best tag team outside of WWE. They have all the fucking belts. Why would you give the belts to somebody that you're not even going to promote? or put on TV for a promotion you're trying to get back started up and trying to get some goodwill to, to from. Like it, that decision, like I get it because they are literally, if you think of RH within the last like five to 10 years, you think of the Briscoes, you think of Jay, I get that, but like, it just doesn't make sense moving forward if you're trying to establish this as another brand and get it going. Like, why would you put it on people that A, are so controversial and have so many different opinions about them and B, if you're not going to put them on your fucking show. So what's the point? So their belts are gone. Pretty much the belts are up in smoke. Yeah. This is, this is ECW once big show won the belt. Exactly. That, that's how I felt about it. Testify. Testify. I'm behind you guys both. I'm not going to get to mine yet. Um, Allison, why is you pissed off for greatness? Okay. I've been going back and forth of using this one for a while um, I used to really love Aubrey Edwards. Like, when she first started as a rep, amazing. But now I feel like she's doing too much. Like, she's trying to constantly draw attention to herself. With her makeup, with how she's doing her hair. Like, with how she's <coughs> standing during matches. Like, it's super distracting. She's literally the only ref out of every promotion and every match that I notice more than I notice the wrestlers in a match. And it's super, super annoying. I agree 100%. Uh, but I've said that since day one with her. I right? like, she just, she over-exaggerates. Um, you know, I get, I, I get that she's a female in a, usually a male-dominated position. But I think she's gone past that. Like, she's gone from somebody that you, that you barely noticed that really did well to now she's trying to get, like, the center of attention. Yeah, and there's other female refs that are amazing that don't that don't do that that don't do that same thing. Like WWE has many female refs, and AEW has other female refs that don't do what she does. It's just it's weird the way she stands is it's almost awkward. It's like look at me. Yeah, I never it's paid like, attention to her. Like I've I've. Me personally, like, I understood the significance of what she represented starting out. But, like, since then, like like y'all said, like, it's like, I go out of my way to ignore her. Like, especially when she started doing, like, interviews and shit and everything like that. It's like, I get it. She's a female ref. Like, she had, and early on, she did bring something to those, yeah. some of those championship matches and stuff like that. But like y'all said, like, at this point, like, the super red lipstick, the fucking exaggerated makeup and shit, and, like, the weird facials, like you're not, we're, you're not supposed to be on camera. We're not supposed to notice you on camera. And that's not just because you're a woman. That's because you're a fucking referee. Mm -hmm. Like, if we're noticing the referee, it's not a good match. Yeah, she doesn't work the square. She doesn't work the half circle. Like she right. works the entire ring. And it, granted, it annoys me when I watch a WWE ref only work the half circle. But she's just like all over the place. Like she's a Texas tornado, and it makes me appreciate the WWE referees more because they don't. They don't take up the show. Like they're and not in, trying to. In her defense, though, with that, I mean, let's be honest. Those AEW matches are all over the fucking place. So she kind of, she kind of has to, because they're, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to anything that they do. 
And then on top of that, another thing is like, what rules does she call? Like the the rules are different for every fucking match. So it's like, sometimes she has to like over exaggerate some things because I think she's trying to play off, play off to the crowd that this is a, a big deal. This is a not supposed to be having, I'm the ref trying to stop it because let's be honest, we don't know the rules to any AEW match when it starts. We don't know how the ref's going to call us like dealer's choice with the ref. Well, how they want to fucking call, call the match. So it's like some of the stuff I don't really give her. Like, I know why she's doing it and I get it. Like, especially with the, some of the bigger matches and shit, like she's trying to convey to the audience what should or should not be happening because they're, but that's their fault for never letting us know what the rule, like if you're going to say, if the rules are going to be the rules, then be the rules. But if they're not, mm-hmm. then just be like ECW. Like, there ain't no fucking rules. The ref's just here to make sure nobody dies. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, give us, but we never know. Like, even when there's no, not a no disqualification match, but then there's no disqualification rules. Like, it's like, and then when there is a, a non-disqualification match, they're calling rope breaks and shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, you never know what the actual fucking rules are. So, like, some of the stuff, like I said, I don't give her shit for... Her, her facials and her being so demonstrative on certain things, but she is still too far out there and like putting her face too much front and center. Mm-hmm. My two cents is that she's not Rick Knox, and I'm grateful for that. Right. <laughs> um, he's the worst ref that in on their roster, 100%. He's not far from <laughs> doing it, though, honestly. Yeah. Is that the bald guy? Yeah. Um, rounding out the quartet. Uh, kind of sounding off on RN and Bobby is the disrespect by AEW to sign the Briscoes to a Ring of Honor contract, build them in one of the top feuds of the year, drop the titles, win the titles again. They give us one of the best tag team feuds we've seen in the last 30 years, all for the Briscoes to only get 20 seconds of highlight time on a highlight vignette. Like a highlight vignette. I think it. I'm with everything RN was saying and everything Bobby was saying in a sense that if you're going to give us the Briscoes, give us the Briscoes. Don't try to tiptoe through the tulips around it. You know, like we've talked about it before RN, you and I have talked about it on the air. Me and Bobby have, me and Allison have. We've seen what Jay and Mark have done in the past and how they've corrected their lives to where they're at now in 2022. And it's Baker Mayfield syndrome. Are we going to hold somebody responsible for something they said out of context? Well, not out of context, but in a different... It's weird, but you guys get what I'm saying. Yeah, no. Like, are we going to continue to hang... Like, to to put him out there, like, hang him out the dry for something that he said and has apologized for? I think it's time to move on and put Briscoes on AEW television. FTR, Briscoes, Usos, New Day. Like, there's not a ton of really great tag teams left out there. We should be seeing these guys every week on TV. Yeah, I say just bring back Jack and Jerry at this point. Bobby, you realize that uh, that's not possible, my friend. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, we're going to send it over to the boss bitch for news and rumors. Um, Allison, what you got for us tonight? Um, the first thing is Mandy Rose released by AEW. No, um, she wasn't. She was. Not AEW. <laughs> <laughs> I have things written down. Anyways. Mandy Rose was released by WWE for um, making content outside of her contract. It wasn't actually for what the content was, but for making content outside of her contract. Um, She today tweeted um, that she appreciated all the love and support that she's getting, and she is not taking down the site. 
which makes me think that she has no intentions of going back to WWE and maybe jumping ship to AEW. No, I don't think I don't think she'll jump ship to AEW. Like I put up a post on TikTok today at yellowshoeguy.com or whatever um, about that, like just goofing off with breaking news. I think Mandy's got other things outside of pro wrestling. Like I think she's finally looked in the mirror and realizes she's gorgeous and she can make a lot of money. And rumors that I've heard are she's making more money on this adult site or this fan site, I guess is more accurate, right. um, than she was making in the WWE. And she's not hurting her back. She's not hurting her neck. She's not risking her life. Um, she's showing pictures of herself. And, okay, good for good for her. Like, I'm, I'm happy for everybody that sent me the pictures and the videos and stuff like that because it helped my research. There it is. Send those 12 to me. minutes, 56 seconds. Send those to me too. So I need good. to do some research so as well. Good. Yeah, dude, it was some of the best research I've done. And it's funny because I just saw that my mom's in the chat on TikTok. So sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, you know, this this is different than like the page thing where things were leaked. Like this is somebody that put out content. WWE knew about the content. And I think they just got upset about the content. And I understand, you know, they've got deals with toys and kids right. and all this other stuff and PG. You know, was it rightful that, they, that she got fired? When you've got guys going back for you know second rehabs and you know DUIs and stuff like that, that's up for debate. My thing is, she's making money, and I, I think it'll eventually it'll come out that they gave her the choice to take the shit down, and she was like, "Fuck you! I make more money doing this mm-hmm. than getting my head busted open weekly." So that there's that part, and then like. These things are have to come up in con- contract talks. Like these are going to be real things now, and it's like this independent contract shit. Eventually, it's going to be a person that has some money that can fight one of these wrestling companies to get this shit done and and sent to court and fought over correctly. Because these contracts, I was listening to Busted Open and Bubba Ray and Tom were like, "We are not independent contractors. We might." It might say we are, but these are fucking. They said the only thing worse than a, than a wrestling contract is like the entertainment 360 contract. They said literally that's the only contracts in entertainment that are worse than wrestling contracts. So it's like, my thing is like I understand the uh, the company's stance, like with the toys and all that and everything. Like this to me, this is some hater shit. This is like those kids that hate on the teacher that was giving them BJ's when they were young. Like, bro, why are you fucking it up for everybody? <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, she's making $40 a month off each subscriber. You can't tell me she doesn't have at least 10,000 subscribers out there. Oh, and I then, guarantee you she's making more money doing that than yeah. she is wrestling. I yeah. guarantee you. And then she charges pictures, like, she charges more pictures. Like, if you get private pictures or whatever, she charges more each one of those pictures. Right. Like I said, I've done my research. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to pay my rent next month, but I did the research. <laughs> But here's the thing. Nobody would care about her if she wasn't on WWE. Like, nobody would know who she is. So, like, you know, there is sort of kind of like the line of, you know, she, like, all these people are saying, like, she needs justice and blah, 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 and that they're throwing her under the bus because of the nature of the pictures. No, at the end of the day, like, she violated her contract. Like, I get, like, you want to post what you want to post and you want to make money but like at the end of the day she violated her contract if anybody else had violated their contract they would have done the same thing to them right but i think like 
what's what's the contract say? Like, is it a morality contract? Because mm. if it, that's not what they're saying, she violated. They're saying she violated like making money outside of an unsanctioned like WWE thing. an unapproved media an unapproved, outlet or whatever. Yeah. Right. But the other ones, really like the other ones have side. Twitch. Yeah, the other ones have Twitch. The other ones have like I don't know what Paige Van Zant's like deal is with AEW. Um, but she's like on OnlyFans, like. Well, it's an yeah. apple to oranges comparison to go AEW to WWE because the way Tony Khan writes up his contracts, WWE right. does the exclusive rights to the WWE monikers. So the New Day and Xavier Woods and those guys are now allowed to do their podcasts and stuff under the WWE banner with mm-hmm. their WWE names, but they can't do them under their shoot names. They're only if they do it, they have to do it under the WWE names now. Right. Uh, my two cents on the Mandy Rose thing is neither side, when it comes down to it, did anything wrong. She broke her contract to chase the bag. She was making what I read was a hundred K a month to do this. Do you boo make the money? I'm here for it. Hashtag rebel. You know what I mean? Like go out and do it. WWE said it was because she broke her contract, not because of the content she was making. She knew she was breaking the rules, so she lost her job. If you show up to work drunk, you're going to get fired. You know what I mean? Like, if you do something egregious to lose your job, you're going to lose your job. If you break a contract, you're going to get fired, simply put. And that's what happened. She, but here's she, the thing. WWE hasn't announced that she's been fired yet. She was officially removed from the, uh, the roster today. Okay, but there hasn't been a press release, and this is a publicly yeah. traded company. I looked at the corporate account. I haven't seen anything that even announces this. So is it really official at this point? Or is she just suspended? That also might be the case. Uh, what I read was that they didn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a suspension. She was taken off air. The plan was to already remove the belt from her, but then when the leak happened, everything kind of hit the fan. everything up. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think the thing is, it's all hearsay anyways. The dirt sheets, Uncle Dave, all of those guys. Like, when you look at what it's doing, um, the issue is, is like, it's all speculation at this point. We can't put anything to bed until WWE comes out and makes an official statement. You right, know? I guarantee you, with the, with the nationwide news that she's getting, she probably got 20,000, 30,000 more people at least today. yeah at least could, could you imagine and I, I heard this on another podcast this is not original could you imagine if wwe supported this like how much richer she would get and they would get a part of this and i really feel like that's one of the things that got them pissed off was the fact they weren't making any money off of this and i think if they found a way to make money off of this they could push wwe after dark with right. andy rose you know well they were fine when she was in a bikini sucking on otis's face in a pool uh, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they, they were pushing her to be a sex symbol. Right. And once she took it on her own to get more money on her own without their cut, that's when they like they got butt hurt and left. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happened, you know, in a different way with The Rock. When The Rock went to Hollywood, they tried to take his name and he had to be Dwayne Johnson for a few movies. Right. And then once he went back and played nice with WWE, then now it's a great relationship. And I think that's really where Mandy is, you know, different circumstance, different type of movies, different type of production, but you know, it's, it is what it is. I think WWE is losing a cash cow at this point with Mandy. I think they could make a ton of money by supporting her 
after hours career. And like I said, to me, I we don't know anything. To me, it could have been she was like, fuck y'all. Like, <laughs> take this down or you're getting fired. Like, we know what you're doing. It's all right. It, it, it happened. Just remove it or stop it from here on out. You're good. And she was like, no, I'm making more money doing this. Yep. Like, like, so until I see a press release, that's what I'm under the assumption on. Like, why else would it would it go down like this and so fast and so quick? We haven't heard anything. We only have speculation. So to me, that means that WWE wasn't prepared to release her. Yeah, like, like she's that. sitting here going, I can I can make all this money for taking three or four pictures slash videos a week and put them up there. Or I can go, you know, three or four days and get, you know, the shit kicked out of me in a ring. Bumps half. Yeah. And make half of it. Like it, it's a great. And like you said, I guarantee you, she probably got at least she probably her her subscriptions probably went up uh, at least three hundred percent. Probably. Yeah, and she's thirty two years old. You know, it's not like WWE has a record for keeping women much older than what she is at this level. So, I'd like to thank Marie Shadows for supporting my uh, my research uh, <laughs> in the chat. <laughs> All right, Allison, what's next on your list? Next is Matt Riddle um, has been pulled for... We found out last week that Matt Riddle was pulled from TV. This week we found out um, that is because he failed a second drug test and is being sent to rehab. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. And he's not fired. I feel like we've... Uh, it's been fresh on everybody's mind and everybody's talked about it a lot. Substance abuse is a very real thing. Um, I recently had a guest in Duke the Dumpster Drozzy um who talked about it what his struggle with it um i know you and kai have talked a lot about it on the rewind it's a very real thing especially in the sport of pro wrestling we've seen it you know a ton with guys throughout the years so i'm hoping the best for matt riddle as a person i don't miss matt riddle the wrestler on my tv though no and well, i wonder with what all due respect fuck you he's one of my favorite wrestlers <laughs> <laughs> But no, yeah, like like you said, we talked about it a lot, like substance abuse, and it kind of goes, it sucks, but it kind of goes hand in hand with being a wrestler. Like that, they've always had that stigma, and then shit like this just keeps that perpetuated. Like <laughs> if you're a wrestler, you're drinking, doing drugs, you're like God knows what else. And with him too, like he's going through a lot with his family and stuff mm-hmm. and all that. So like sometimes that shit, especially with your kids, like I, I know that she was like keeping his kids from him and stuff, and she was blasting them out on on social media and shit and they've been separated for over a year and everything so like i sometimes that shit just gets to you and you turn to the wrong things to get past it or get over it and hopefully that's not the case and hopefully he can get his shit back together and be back on the tv screen i feel like wwe also using that as a storyline was super fucked up like with that whole thing with seth rollins and like calling Mm -hmm. him out for like being a bad dad and like all this stuff like I know that they're allowed to say no you can't like touch certain things but like that was real fucked up yeah especially knowing that he already has a history of substance abuse right but but just like just like with Mandy you push for sexism or sexy side whatever and then with Matt you push him being a druggie like he goes out there with bongos he's got a 420 shirt like you push him using drugs, and then he gets suspended. Well, technically speaking, they don't test for THC in the WWE. That's why I said cocaine's so, the so that <laughs> that gimmick is okay under their drug testing umbrella now. 
It's either pills or coke. I mean, what else could it be? It was actually MDMA from what I read last night. Two two tests in two weeks for Molly. That'll get you. <laughs> Miss Siegel? Um, next is Vince is saying he wants to come back to WWE, that he's not done. Despite the fact that more women have come forward this week uh, filing lawsuits against him for sexual harassment. I yeah, that's harsh. I say put him as number one in the Women's Royal Rumble and let him come out and they can beat him down. Yeah, he's he's an idiot. None of that, I'm, as a publicly traded company, there's no way in fucking hell they're letting him anyway mm-hmm. back near that company, especially with more lawsuits coming up, which two now, and I believe the Wall Street Journal came out with another thing saying there maybe three to four more coming after mm-hmm. that. Why the fuck would you bring him back? And... All the dirt sheets and all the ones everyone's saying that no one wants Vince back, that it's been a breath of fresh air having the Triple H regime. So, like like I said, regardless of any of that, a publicly traded company does not bring back an old, old, dirty old man that has uh, Deshaun Watson uh, cases coming forward. Like, it's just not happening. Yeah, there's there's no way the board's going to vote him in, even though he's got his daughter, his son-in-law, um, Khan on there, all people, you know, that he knows. Right. There's no way they're going to vote him in. Like he set it no up way. that way. That's another thing, too. Like, he set up, like, a separation of church and state when he redid the whole structure on the business side of it. So he kind of set himself up because he wanted to be able to still be ahead of control, ahead of creative and everything and not be affected by the business side. So now that's what's going to come back and bite him because the business side is going to be what would vote for him to come back. And guarantee they're not voting for him to come back. No, the, the only way for him to get control again is to make Storyline. it. Take take it take away from the public, and make it a private company again, right. and buy out all those stockholders. The other rumor I heard with them is they want to push him for the Hall of Fame this year, and then give him give him a night of like you know like like they did with Flair or with um you know Michaels like just the you know yay events we love you blah blah blah. It's too soon. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, too I agree. Soon. I agree. But at his age, how long can you wait before you don't get the Vince speak? at the hall of fame i mean but at this point like doing that would look so bad on the company that it's just not even worth it and like the reason like all these women are coming out of the woodwork now is like it's all these women like things that happened like back in the 80s and the early 90s like their non-disclosure agreements are expiring and they can finally talk about this stuff and finally go back after him so i'm sure like he thought, oh, all this stuff settled and done with, it'll never come back. But now, you know, these women see what's going on in society and like, no, we're going to get the just the actual justice that we deserve. Right. So I'm gonna zip my lip on this one. I don't I don't want to go too wild on this. <laughs> I don't think Vince should come back, simply put. I think Nobody the the so. will is kept turning without him. I think it's fine. Um, I'm still leaning towards the buyout, though. I still think that's part of it. I think down the road they're going to sell. So I think so. That's a different conversation for a different day, though. Um, next. Um, New Japan releases the Wrestle Kingdom card. Anybody care? I haven't seen it, so I'll, I'll definitely be looking for it like that. I, I I only watch maybe about three or four New Japan like pay per views a year, and definitely Wrestle Wrestle Kingdom's one of them. 
I'm going to ask Marie to throw in the names of the guys FTR is going against for the uh, IWGP title and the finals of the TV uh, title. I think it's Zack Sabre Jr. in that one. The main event is Jay White versus Okada, the G1 Climax winner versus the IWGP uh, heavyweight champion. So that's going to be fire. The semi-main event is uh, Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega for the U.S. heavyweight title. Uh, another two guys that are going to be a banger in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, FTR is putting together the uh, IWGP tag team titles with Goto versus Yoshihashi. Um, then you've got the, T- uh, the TV title uh, on the line in the finals, the IWGP women's title with Kyrie Zane uh, performing at Wrestle Kingdom. Like the card is stacked. Uh, Koji Muto's last. Uh, um, last match in New Japan is the, that night. Like, there's a ton of great wrestling coming. Supposedly, wrestling. Sasha Banks and Sasha Banks is going to be making an appearance. Um, oh yeah, Yo and Leo uh, versus TJP and Akiri for the junior heavyweight tag titles. Every title for in IWGP and New Japan is on the line that night. Um, is it going to be two days again, or is it going to be the uh, 45 hour long <laughs> it's 12 matches i think two on the pre-show 10 on the main card uh marie correct me if i'm wrong one day i would say probably between four and five hours it'll start three o'clock in the morning your time right um i'm hyped for wrestle kingdom two, i thought last year was two days the last couple years just been two days uh the last couple right. last year was technically three i think because they had a day of pre-show uh, that was just oh, yeah. like preliminary matches and young lions and stuff like that. Um, she said that she's waiting for Sasha to be approved by Stardom. Um, that makes sense because Stardom's the the female New Japan over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm low key hyped for it. Bring on Wrestle Kingdom. We're doing a Wrestle Kingdom preview show two weeks from now on the 29th. My part of that, Bobby. You can take the night off if you choose to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll replace you. It's fine. Marie Shadows will be the yellow shoe guy that night. <laughs> right. What's next? I'll give her some um, let's talk about NXT Deadline. That was a good show. I thought so. The Iron Survivor matches were both fire. I'm happy with mm-hmm. both winners. Um, I think it's cool that Roxanne Perez was able to, uh, to get the title on Tuesday. She had the Ring of Honor ti- uh, women's title. Um, before Mercedes Martinez got it. So I think I think there were some good moves made, some good matches won. Uh, Braun Breaker was the right pick. Overall, I'd say it's a solid B to B-plus show. You know, nothing right. crazy to write home about, but it was a great NXT pay-per-view. Yeah, short, quick, to the point. Um, wasn't sure how I was going to feel about the Iron Survivor shit, but it actually, it seemed like super convoluted and like ridiculous on paper, but they actually executed it where... It made sense. Like, I know they were trying to find something to replace War Games, and I think this might be their thing. And like, I'm, I wasn't mad at. It. Like, I definitely wish Car- uh, Carmelo had won, but it, it was, it was, it was pretty interesting. I'm not mad at. It. I, I liked it a lot. <coughs> My yeah, only was, thing was, was why. Okay, some people may like this, and that's fine if they do. I don't need uh, magic in my wrestling. I just don't. Like, I don't need someone to possess a ref so they win. Like, eh, 
Like, it just, it doesn't do it for me. Like, if you like that thing, fine. You know, what we, you know, what do we say on bikes? Bikes and chair shots. We're not going to yuck anybody's yum. If you like it, fine. I just think it's weird. What do we say? <laughs> we don't yuck any yums, Bobby. Can I put that on my t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> and not, not include you guys I, in the merch? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, I totally agree. Like, that shit was dumb. But, like, that's kind of, like, the gist of mm -hmm. NXT 2.0. Like, it's it's supposed a to be weird cartoony, amalgamation. Right? Yeah, it's a weird amalgamation of, like, Vince's fucking 80s, 80s, early 90s WWE and black and gold now mixed in with it. Like, they haven't really found that that full Triple H regime stride yet. Like, they're still kind of, like, working off the stank of 2.0. So, like, some of that stuff is still, like, the scripts, dude, and all that other shit. Like, it's, it's they're getting there. But it's still like it's still some wacky shit that goes on from time to time. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? No, no. It's, <laughs> I don't like the magic stuff. Um, I think that's why that one WWF gimmick failed in the '90s. That guy popped up one time with the strings popping out of all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> You know, I think I think magic exposes the fact that you know pro wrestling is uh, is work, right? Um, just like you know, they say you know when you let a, when you let a fan behind the curtain at a magic show, they lose it loses the appeal. Mm -hmm. Wrestling, I think, has lost that same appeal. So introducing a, magi uh, a magician loses it even more. Um, so it's like having a a guy uh, with pizza and throwing it up in the air and spinning it around <laughs> and. Expect to get ratings. But it did. But it did. But it did. Mm, did it really? For one week? <laughs> <laughs> and then nobody cared about him. Um, I, I used... I, I, the ratings weren't up. It was the internet buzz that was up. Because they were like, oh my god, that's the guy I saw on YouTube or TikTok or blah blah blah. Well, in 2022, Bobby... Um, as somebody who fancies himself a content creator, don't you think that's the same way everybody is, though? Is everything's moving to an online buzz? Your social media presence, the way you do things, how you do things, like, isn't that what this is about? Yeah, but unfortunately, I'm not part of a national television project like <laughs> PBS or TNT. Um, and Touche. Along the, long and short, <coughs> as a company that is owned by, or owns part of them or has a contract with them, I don't care what the internet buzz is. I care about what my ratings are so I can sell more content and more uh, commercials. Facts. They could sell commercials for Papa John's. With yeah, what, with Luigi or Lu, what's, what is he saying? <laughs> what is it, Will? Luigi Primo. <laughs> Luigi. <laughs> it's not Luigi. Luigi. No, Luigi Primo. Mm -hmm. You got anything else? Yeah. I mean, do we want to talk about the rest of the final battle card? I mean, honestly, nothing really stuck out. Uh, the Briscoes FTR were amazing. Claudio Jericho was a good match. The pure wrestling title, Wheeler Yuta and uh, Daniel Garcia. No, it was Wheeler Yuta and uh, Daniel it was Garcia. Garcia. Yeah, it was Daniel yeah. Garcia. Uh, the AEW TV title. Yeah. Um, I feel like for the most part, like the, they were all solid matches. It was a lot like Deadline, kind of a B, a B show. Uh, Final Battle had screams of 
really high-end <coughs> indie wrestling. Like, if you go to a really, really nice indie show, that's kind of how Final Battle felt. So, AEW. Yeah, sort of like <laughs> AEW. Like All right, so what do you guys feel about the tap out with Jericho? Like, you've seen so many people be spun by Cesaro. And He's all drunk. Did. He probably was fucked up. Like, I t- I'll take it. It may have been a crappy finish, but I like that he got his title back doing a very fan favorite move, so I can get behind it. Again, it's it's AEW ish, so I mean it kind of is what it is. Like I'm, I don't want to say I was I was surprised or wasn't surprised, but like it was like, man, eh, okay. Yeah, like I, I love I love that Cesaro won. I don't. It's like it's it's like what does that move like? What does that move? <laughs> Why do you tap? Like their airplane spin has been around since what, like the fifties or forties. Very few people tap. It's after the move is when they lose. Well, also too though, those airplane spins they had you on your shoulders. It wasn't really like you literally getting fucking spent around by your ankles. I, I will. I will admit I like the way Jericho took it. That right. he wasn't. He put wasn't putting his hands behind his head and like getting ready for the bump. Like he had his hands out. Like yeah. it looked. It looked legit. But I don't know. It was just it was just a weird way to tap. Ravage says that Jericho's an old man. That's why he tapped. Yeah, he's good vertigo, man. One hundred percent. I would have puked. Did, did I, I would have rather him like spent him and then turned it into the sharpshooter or whatever he does. Like I think yeah. that would have made more sense. Did Ravage text Marie on that one? <laughs> I don't know. Bobby, shut up. Uh, Briscoe's FTR should have been the main event. Um, there's two, I can think, there's very few points when the world title shouldn't be the main event of a pay-per-view. And I think if the story of the secondary title is built up enough, it can replace the title. And my example given is SummerSlam 92, British Bulldog, Bret Hart. The story they built between them, their families, their wives, everything built that story to be bigger than the Savage Warrior story at that point. So it made sense to make the Intercontinental title the main event at SummerSlam in Wembley Stadium with everything going on. FTR Briscoe's three should have been the main event over Chris Jericho and Claudio because the story was bigger, the build was bigger. Everything these guys said and did on the internet was a jab at each other. Even when FTR was wrestling other people, they were still doing things to call out the Briscoes. All the drama with the AEW TV stuff we've already been talking about, all of that built it to a point. And just purely based off the stories told in the ring, the FTR Briscoes match was a better match than Jericho Claudio, and that's not taking away from what Jericho and Claudio did. I almost feel like it was Jericho Triple H after Hogan Rock. And I, I feel like Jericho should have been smarter than to put himself in that position at this point. I don't even really think it was necessarily his decision. I mean, there's a reason why they gave him the title because they wanted a bigger star with some sort of name recognition to kind of bring more eyes into it. So, like, I – and like I said, Jericho is – like you said, Jericho is smarter than that, but I don't think this was his call. Yeah, so it's another sign of bad booking. Yeah, that – absolutely. And and he's got Anderson there. He's got – I don't know if Blanchard's still there or not. But he's got Jericho, he's got Claudio, he's got all these veterans that are there, Bryanson, and he's not listening. And that's exactly the same thing the Bucks get accused of and Omega, not listening to people that have been there before. And he's he's right in the club. Did you just say Bryanson? (laughs) Did you combine both of his names? (laughs) (laughs) He does it all the time. Bryanson. 
whatever. Daniel. Mm-hmm. Bella. Mr. Bella. How's that? Mr. Mr. Bella. <laughs> okay. My last one. Um, the not pay-per-view TV pay-per-view. Winter is yeah. coming. Those things piss me off. Like, they really do. Like, just come on, man. Like, it's, it's fucking dynamite. Like, relax. <laughs> Bobby, as an old wrestling fan, I wanted to ask your opinion of this. You're like me. You go back to the territory days. Do you think the way JCP utilized closed, cur- closed circuit specials in lieu of big sellout pay-per-views, sometimes for their TV programs, do you think Tony Khan is trying to emulate this? And do you think he's being successful with that model? Well, the thing about JCP is they didn't do it on their regularly like 605 show or their, you know, their normal shows. They had Clash of the Champions. Like it was a special night, Mm -hmm. just like WWF did with uh, Saturday night's main event. Correct. So I think that's where AEW is failing. But I also think it's not only a failure on their part as a company, but it's the network showing that they're failing because this is the exact same network that used to show Clash of Champions. And they're not willing to give them extra time to have these shows this is to me a ratings grab and it started as a ratings grab back when they had their whole little feud with nxt being on the same night Mm -hmm. they just haven't let it go and i think to truly make these shows special then the network has to get behind them to allow it to be special on a different night Yeah, like they do they do that with the battle for the belts. Like why mm-hmm. can't they why couldn't they take any of those time slots? Like Well that's I don't the know, like I said, it, just like their title to all their different titles, they've got all these specials where they do quarterly pay-per-views, which I, I love. I like the the length of time before the build between the, the pay-per-views. But in between those, you know, eight to twelve week pushes between the shows, if you have two or three network specials, it's kinda like having two or three you know, small scale pay-per-views in between them. So you're not really allowing yourself to breathe as much in your booking. If you've got to worry about booking all these specials in between your pay-per-views, it eliminates the point of having all that time between your pay-per-views. If you're booking all these special shows and one-offs in between them. Let's be honest. It's not like they put anything extra in these. These are literally just fucking episodes of dynamite with the new can of paint slapped on them. Like that is coming dynamite edition. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like they really like, it's not like any like crazy feuds were built up to it or any extra work was put into it. Like, it's literally just dynamite with winter is coming in the background. It looked like they copy and pasted that trios match to open it since they didn't give us any stipulations. It was literally looked like the same match week over week. Like they did a lot of the same moves, a lot of the same stuff. The finish was cool though. I'll give them the finish. It's it's like, it's like when WWE does their, flashback rolls or whatever like raw right. classics and that kind of thing like that's all these shows are is you know let's let's put like rn said let's put a you know a little paint on these and tell you it's different and hope you buy into it and the stands do so all right gentlemen yeah, all, all half all half the uh, crowd mm-hmm. all half the aw's crowd. fans are like cowboys fans just delusional they think they're the best ever it's their year every year Hey, I'm not, I mean, I didn't really get into AEW for a while, but I, I think consistently I like it for the most part week over week. I mean, I like it too, but you 
can't you're not allowed to talk bad about it on the internet or every every fucking creep in their be- mother's basement comes after you bunch yeah, of it's beards. Like university, it's like university of tennessee bobby you shut your poor mouth <laughs> go big orange rocky top all right gentlemen meat and potatoes the Where ring of doing? honor world title in the summer of 2002, there was a tournament to crown the first Ring of Honor champion every since. Okay? First champion was Loki. The current champion is Claudio. The longest reigning champion was Samoa Joe. The shortest reigning champion was Kyle O'Reilly. The oldest champion was PCO. The old, er, the youngest champion was Loki. The oldest champion was PCO. The heaviest champion was Takeshi Morishima. The lightest champion was Jonathan Grisham. I'm going to ask you all three a question. Uh, RN, I'm going to have you go first. Of all the people that have held the Ring of Honor. Okay, Bobby, I actually took notes. I got it. Okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, Of all the people that have held the Ring of Honor title, RN, who is your favorite Ring of Honor champion? This is probably going to be a little bit of a hot take and unpopular, maybe, but Jonathan Gresham has been my favorite champ. Like, he. the foundation and everything, their their crew, and then him joining up with Jay Lethal and a couple weirdos in the in the group, whatever. But like Jonathan Gresham to me was like what wrestling was these last couple of years. Like he's excellent technical, <coughs> excellent character, cool ass fucking ring gear. They're just their swag and everything about him coming with the cracking mask and everything to the ring, like the octopus face. Like he's right up there with like I I don't know. I guess I picked him over uh Daniel Bryan because of just the fact that, like I said, he, it's newer, I guess, maybe because it's fresher in my mind, and he literally car- has been carrying Ring of Honor since they, since before they went out of business. So I'd say the last three years, maybe, he's been carrying. I know Roosh and Bandito and all them get some credit, but it was really the foundation and Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal and them being the pillars, holding that fucking building up so it didn't fall through the cracks. He was also one of the guys that pretty much carried them through the COVID pandemic. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that's like the he last carried three the years, company yeah. on on his back a lot of the time. Yeah, um, Bobby, who's your favorite Ring of Honor champion? Um, from a personal side, Jerry Lynn, only because I know the guy and he's amazing, <laughs> and he's an amazing performer, um, and he's a great guy uh, inside outside the ring. Um, but I think the guy that had the most impact to me, and it was it wasn't really a long reign, um, is gonna be CM Punk because he got the belt, he literally signed a WWE contract on the belt, but it gave Ring and Honor Ring of Honor for the casual fan. We got launched into Ring of Honor. Like we actually knew what Ring of Honor was. And I think his impact on Ring of Honor, because of that, I would put him number one. And I know. RN, you say that's going to bring you a lot of hate. I know my pick is going to bring me a ton of hate. Bobby, everything you say brings a lot of hate. Marie chimed in, says she enjoyed Samoa Joe as champ, and Danielson was a great Hill champ. Um, I'm sure both of those guys are going to be coming up in the conversation. Um, Kevin Owens was also a Ring of Honor champion. Um, she was there for Morishima and Danielson as well. Uh, Allison, do you have a favorite Ring of Honor champion? Um, I'm probably going to jump on <coughs> the Gresham bandwagon with RM being, because yeah. I just love him. Like, I've seen him work live, and he's just fantastic. So, and there's him and Jordan, Jordan Grace or whatever on social media are fucking adorable. So like, they cool. are 
ridiculously like I'm not into like that lovey dovey squishy shit, but like <laughs> seeing them bench press each other and like fucking like Come they on, do man. some you raise puppies. You gotta they be do some up. weird shit though. Like literally do some weird shit. Like she'll carry him around like a baby and shit. Like they're ridiculous on her. Like I I'm not gonna lie, that's part of why I love him too, is like their shit outside of the ring as well. It's important. I think it's cool. I mean I don't have anything against Gresham. I think he's one of the best technical wrestlers that was in the Ring of Honor locker room at the time. Um, my favorite Ring of Honor champion was kind of tough. Marie kind of took some of my thunder with throwing Kevin Owens in there. I was always a Kevin Steen fan. I think the work him and Generico did was off the charts. Um, but I'm also going to throw a curveball out there because I'm a Rollins guy. You know, I think Seth Rollins is one of the best workers in our generation right now. <coughs> Excuse me. I think he's a, a generational talent. So I'm going to throw Tyler Black in the mix as a personal favorite for Ring of Honor champion because of the character work that he did there in Ring mm -hmm. of Honor helped build him to get the developmental deal in FCW and stuff to become Seth Rollins. Right. So I feel like without Tyler Black, we would have never had Seth. Um, so it was kind of torn between him and Kevin Steen for those two, um, those two for my favorite ones. Um, so looking through some of the history of it, one of the things that stood out to me was, I think it was around that 2005, 2006 range was there was a point where they unified the pure wrestling title. Um, if you're not familiar with the pure wrestling rules, guys listening, look them up. It's a very specified, very old school way of wrestling. You're not allowed to, to slide out and leave the ring. You only get a certain number of rope breaks. Um, very old school wrestling. Nigel McGinnis and Daniel Bryanson had a match um, to unite the pure title and world's title. Danielson got the win in England. Um, RN, I'm going to start with you talking about this specifically and kind of let everybody roll through with it. Um, looking at who Brian Danielson is now in 2022 versus looking at him in the early 2000s, um, what do you think in his career was the best version of himself starting in ring of honor going into wwe yeslemania all of that all the way through the, the blackpool combat club um it's a very tough question to look at but it's not tough for me at all his ring of honor work was out to me stuck out more and meant more than anything he's done afterwards easy money then i like easy it. money for me because first of all his his technical skills um he carried the company on his back for a long time too, with his heel work and everything like that. Like he doesn't get enough credit because we've been stuck with this yes shit for so long, but people don't know that his real bed bread and butter was being a villain and being a, a damn good fucking heel. And that cattle mutilation, even though it probably doesn't hurt what worth a fucking damn, but like just seeing him do it to people and like how he would stretch people out. Like for me, like it's easy money for me, like his ring of honor reigns and his matches with uh, Nigel McGinnis, um, Samoa Joe, like these matches are classics that we're going to go back and eventually look through time and shit and watch these matches. And I don't think it's going to be much of his WWE shit. I think it's going to be more, he'll be recognized more with that big ass bald head and Ring of Honor. Allison, at what point did you start hating Brian Danielson? <laughs> okay. So this is a funny story, sort of. So my, when I first got together with my now ex-husband, 
uh, he was still really into wrestling. And it was when, like, Daniel Bryant was, like, super huge in WWE. And the fucking yes chant <laughs> literally drove me up the wall because my ex-husband would literally walk around the house going, yes, 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 to everything. Annoyed the fucking piss out of me. <laughs> and so because of that, I have had a really, really, really hard time liking him. Like, I'm finally starting to get over it because, like, they've stopped doing the fucking yes thing. Um, it it's also, like, this is dumb, but it bothered me that he wore a t-shirt out to the ring with his little Speedos because it looked like he was a kid, like... Saturday morning, like eating cartoons and your whitey tidies. Like, I just couldn't. First I'm off, for all there's of nothing life. wrong with eating cereal in your tidy whities and watching cartoons. <laughs> That's completely okay. It's absolutely fine to do that. Um, I like Brian Danielson everywhere except for WWE. Um, I feel like a lot of times he was getting pushed into that WWE identity crisis he wasn't brian danielson they made him daniel bryan they took everything that he was all of his sharp edges that made him unique in the indies and in ring of honor and they took sandpaper to it and they watered him down and they rounded off all the edges and made daniel bryan out of brian danielson that right. doesn't mean that i don't think his wwe was run wasn't great he had a couple solid runs i wasn't the the eco-friendly belt the big brown belt that looked like it was made out of cardboard. Wasn't a big fan of that. Um, but I agree. His hill work in Ring of Honor was some of his best work he did through his entire career. Um, Bobby, what do you think about Nigel McGinnis as a wrestler versus a commentator? I've never seen Nigel wrestle. Really? I was not an ROH guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm I never thought seen... I liked you, Bobby. Um, I'm sorry. I've never <laughs> seen him wrestle. I've heard great things about him, but I've never gone out of my way because – he doesn't excite me as a commentator, so I've never been. I've never been like the, the like start researching him. You're I know. Sure I'm sorry. Know. I'm sorry, Marie. I'm sorry, Marie. Does anything excite you? No, don't <laughs> answer that. <laughs> Fifty-four minutes. His, his Mandy uh, and Rose Allison said something inappropriate. <laughs> his Mandy Rose research excites him. All the, the the research excites him. That's all you just research. And Bob's like, I'm, I'm into it. What are we researching? Let me. Should I should be like? Does anything about wrestling now excite you? No. No, Mandy got fired. <laughs> <laughs> you um, still have Alexa and um, Liv. I think Nigel is a commentator. I'm just going to keep this train rolling. <laughs> I think Nigel as a commentator is one of those few guys. Um, that really excel and stand out kind of like a Joey Styles or a Mauro or a Jim Ross or somebody like that. You know what I mean? He kind of has that feel. He could kind of carry the booth by himself, but also in a wrestling ring, the, the dudes up there, technical ability wise, yeah. he was a great peer champion. So it made sense for him. Um, talking about the belt itself. Um, I sent you guys a picture earlier. I'm going to put it up on the screen now for everybody watching. Um, there's been five different versions. Uh, don't forget about Delirious. <laughs> uh, there's been five different versions of the Ring of Honor title. 
The one, the big one at the top was the first one and the current Ring of Honor title. Bottom left was the second one. The middle bottom left beside the Jay Lethal picture was third. Then the fourth. Then the fifth is the one on the bottom and the far right. I call that one the Bandito belt because it was the big gold one that Bandito had before they went back to the original championship. Um, I'm going to ask you guys, like, I'm going to start with Allison on this one. Looking at the designs, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the overall design history of the five different Ring of Honor titles? Um, are you pulling the picture out? Yes. How did you not have the picture up already? Bobby, what do you think about the overall I'm belt ready. designs of the Ring of Honor first titles? One, the first big one reminds me of the old UWF championship mm. back from the 80s and 90s um, when Bill Watts changed Mid-South to the UWF. Um, the second one, the bottom left, reminds me of a classic NWA type of championship. That's real um, strong next... TV title vibes, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say that. Um the next one, I have no feelings about that. The Jay White one's really hard to see. The last one on the right, which is going to make no sense to anybody listening to this and not watching, um, that reminds me of the Impact Championship mm -hmm. or even like Jeff Hardy Championship. That's yeah. a good one. The uh, Nero one or whatever he had. Yeah. RN, overall, what do you think about them? Uh, my favorite one is the one that Jay Lethal's holding because that's kind of when I got back in. To like Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor heavy, like it was streamlined. It was a little bit bigger. It was almost had ECW title vibes with like the older model before it. So like that's always the ones that that's the one that comes to mind anyway when I think of Ring of Honor. But the, I mean the classic one is it is what it is too. Like it's kind of plain and kind of just like eh. So like I I definitely go with the last two, the Jay Lethal one and then the Big Gold one. Allison, you ready? Yeah. What do you think about the title belts? Um, you're the, probably the least experienced of the Ring of Honors. So you've only seen two of these five, the two most recent ones. The, uh, the one I keep calling the Bandito belt, the bottom right, and then the top one, which is the current and first version of the belt. Um, looking she, at the, the five belts, which is your favorite? If she's seen two, I'm less experienced. I've only seen one. The, t the current one. The current one? I mean, it's simple, but, like, I don't see anything wrong with it. Like, sometimes you don't need all the shit on it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's clean. I like clean things. I mean, none of these belts are, like, super terrible. But I think the that Bandito like belt looks the coolest. I didn't, the only thing I didn't like about the original <laughs> ones, because, because between that and the pure... All they did was slap a dude getting suplexed on the Pure Championship, and it's essentially the same fucking belt. Uh, I'm going to follow in behind Bobby on it. I think the current title, which is their first version of it, looks like the NWA Dome Globe. It reminds me mm -hmm. of the 10 pounds of gold, the kind of the overall shape of the belt, the kind of design with the rectangle face plate, the rectangle side plates, like a couple modifications It would look like the 10 pounds of gold. Uh, the second one, Bobby and I were talking about it, it reminds me of the old NWA TV title. Um, Adrian Adonis type stuff. You know what I mean? Like the old school TV title. The third version of the belt, for some reason, when I see that belt, it makes me think of New Japan, um, which is ironic because they're one, they've always had a great working relationship with New Japan. We'll get to that in a second. Um, 
the bandito belt, that fourth or the fifth version of the belt, I really liked how big and bold they made it look. You know, I liked that they were trying to make it look like a big world's title, and uh, I was appreciative of that. Um, Bobby, I'm going to ask you a question, uh, and I'm going to have you tee this one off. If when you look at these five title belts compared to say a Reggie Parks Wing Eagle, um, what do you think about a traditional one of these belts put against like a winged eagle or, you know, the, the 10 pounds of gold or the big gold belt? Uh, do you oh, think gosh. any of these designs stand up to any of the classic designs that everybody holds high? No, I'd say trash. Like I'd say the fifth belt, the, the most recent one, it looks like a spinner belt to me, like a much smaller spinner <laughs> in the middle. Um, that third title looks like a belt that you would see at an indie show. Um, the one next to Jay. I can't, again, I can't see Jay's belt, so I'm not really sure what that one is. Um, the second one that I said looked like an NWA belt, I feel like it could, but I feel like it, they tried to be different by putting it as silver. Mm -hmm. um, and then that first one, again, it looks like the old uh, UWF belt, um, but I think it should be, I, I think it should be gold. Like, I don't think that you need to like separate yourself and be silver because you know, if you're watching the Olympics, silver is second place. So they're automatically putting themselves in second place. That's a good way to look at it. Um, Allison, are any of these five belts in your top five favorite belts of all time? No. No? Well, moving right along. What <laughs> <laughs> about RN? RN, uh, are any of these your favorite belts? If you, if somebody were to be like your Mount Rushmore of world titles, would the Ring of Honor title, any version of the five versions of it, would any of them make your Ring of Honor, like your no. Mount Rushmore title belts? No. Make a note, Siri. Let's do an episode on our Mount Rushmore title belts. Mm. Like, that's a great idea. That uh, is. So when you talk about Ring of Honor and you talk about Ring of Honor champions, there's somebody's name that has to come up. Um, that's Jay Lethal. He has the most combined uh, days as champion. Um, he's pretty much had the rub. He's gotten the rub from every, you know, old school or big player left in the game from Flair to Steamboat, uh, Rock and Roll Express. Like the guys worked with a ton of old school territory guys that said that has said Jay Lethal was the real deal. Um, looking at it uh, from that perspective, um, do you think Jay Lethal as is as hyped as everybody's made him out to be throughout his career? I don't think he's hyped enough, honestly. Like, I think that he had, he put them on a map that they weren't on and gave them kind of a legitimacy that they never really had, especially after, like, uh, that mass exodus of uh, Brian Danielson and, and Seth and all those guys, and you were kind of just left with just Kevin Steen and El Generico, like, Jay Lethal came in and gave the, gave that title a meaning and like gave it something that you could stand on being the champ. So like to me, I, I and like even how AEW used him when he first got there, like they put him on, uh, what is it? The, what's the black show that they put all the black wrestlers on? Is it Elevation or Dark? I think because it's not Dynamite. So <laughs> <laughs> you bring up you bring up one of the most decorated wrestlers in the last decade, and he only wrestled on elevation and dark for the first what three months he was in the company so i mean like he's to me he's grossly underrated and his standing and his meaning to the business and especially as a black wrestler like 
I, I never think that he gets the credit he deserves. Allison, what do you think about Jay Lethal? I love him. Um, I've seen him live now three times. Uh, yeah. Once at Ric Flair, once at Ricky Steamboat, and then I'm pretty positive we saw him when we went to Dynamite last year. I think. Maybe. Probably no, not. Remember, but that, we've seen <laughs> anyway, him work I've a few times. I've seen him work yeah. a few times. If it was Dynamite, no. <laughs> I, well, it may have been a dark match. Like, <laughs> but... I think he's amazing, and I agree with Arian. Like, he just doesn't get enough time. Like, and the, I mean, that's a astounding problem in AEWs that they're not giving, they don't give really anybody except for the Bucks and Omega enough time. But, I mean, I definitely think he deserves to be getting more flowers than he's getting. He's great in the ring, he's great in the mic, like, he's fantastic. Like, he did an amazing job of putting two really old washed up guys especially flair like super over and like did such an amazing job doing it like i to me that almost takes more skill you know yeah. to be able to put somebody who you know used to be amazing but like can't really do it anymore like to be able to help put them over and make them look good like that should be praised more than what he's getting. Like he's doing a fantastic job. Bobby, what you think about Lethal? <clears throat> Me, Lethal is the greatest sixth man off the bench. Yep. Like he's that guy that you know he's not going to be remembered for the Hogan, Flair, Savage, whatever. Like he's not going to be on anybody's you know Mount Rushmore. But he's that guy that you go to when the chips are down because not only can he entertain. <laughs> On the microphone, he entertains in the ring, you know, in, like imitating Randy Savage. That's amazing. Like, so is, is that what gets you over? Like, does that get you in a Hall of Fame? Probably not. But the fact that he can go toe to toe and, like Allison said, with Flair, you know, carry those matches, make them look good. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not your superstar, but he's your superstar point two. Like, he's that guy that you go to when you've got nobody else there. Um, and that's, that's the greatest not, uh, fucking analogy I've ever heard. Like that, that is so fucking like spot on pinpoint, you know what I'm saying? Like I was trying to think of something like that too. Like, yeah, he's not going to be that upper echelon route Rushmore guy, but he's that one that's right there. So six man like that, that was fucking dope. That was, that was fucking dope. Applause. And that's the rewind with RN and Bobby Mack. Oh, yeah, that was fucking. That was that was dope. That was dope. I, I actually wrote down the timestamp for that, and I put lethal six man so that I I would remember to go back and get that yeah. clip. You tag me on TikTok. Oh, I, I always <laughs> do. Um, I think that the important thing to remember about Jay Lethal is in two title reigns he held the belt for over seven hundred days. Yeah, and if you look at the perspective of today or even yesteryear. Roman has held the belt for a shade over. I mean, he'll come close to a thousand days by Mania. They always talk about Bruno and Bob Backlund and Hogan being in that seven fifty plus thousand range. Don't forget range. Pedro. Don't forget Pedro. Pedro, you know, like Pedro as well. But when you think about it, like Jay Lethal had two reigns that equaled over seven hundred days. What does it say about a person and a talent and a worker? For a company to go, we're going to put the company on your back. Here's our title. Now carry us. 
for, you know, the better part of two plus years. I think that says everything we need it to say about Jay. And not even that. I mean, just on top of that, go back and look at some of the people that he beat. There's literally the who's who of indie wrestling at the time and a lot of fucking main eventers in other companies right now, too. Something to you look at is this isn't a private company. It's not like a indie promoter promoting his best friend or himself. Right. This is a this is a national television company. And, and, you know, Cornette's behind a lot of this, but they have faith in this guy to keep their promotion going. So it's not favoritism. It's talent that's keeping him where he's at. And like you said, he's always anytime they lost a bunch of people or the shit was sent clear, anytime anything was going bad, Jay Lethal's the one that walked him through the fucking storm. Yep. Every single time. Yeah, and it's sad that he's had so many opportunities with Impact or AEW and they don't see that value. Right. Like it's 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 terrible. Like this is where, you know, I know I'm the old guy. When a guy like Cornette, this is when he comes in and he shines because he says, you know what, this guy is amazing. And I don't know why you put the little buckies up there in Omega when you've got this ultra talent just sit in the locker room. And this is probably another one of those guys they don't want to listen to. Right. What well, another thing is too, why the fuck is Jeff Jarrett and Sanjay Dutt his mouthpiece? He's a better talker than both of them combined on any fucking day of the week. Yep. So looking through some of the people, he beat Colt Cabana, Kyle O'Reilly, Jay Briscoe, um, Joe Coffey, Mark Andrews. He beat Shady Natrace. He beat Cheeseburger, Leo Rush, Lance Storm, Matt Seidel, Hiroki Goto, um, Tomoaki Hanma, like Michael Elgin. Like he went through some dudes as champion. Yes. Roddy Strong, Jay Briscoe, Kyle O'Reilly. Like Joey Hayes, like AJ Styles, like Jay Lethal beat some dudes as champion. Uh, thank you, CageMatch.net. Uh, no free shoutouts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and AEW is not doing him any favors by putting him with Jarrett because all it does is tie him into Impact. And yeah, and those in the old dudes, which he's all automatically when you think of him, that's the first thing you think of anyway. Either the Black Machismo shit or the woo off he had with Flair. Yeah. And and he's he's younger he's younger than Hardy like he's younger than Jericho like he yeah. he he should be this upper echelon like I'm I don't know his age I don't know Omega's age he's got to be pretty close like a right. couple years older not much like I said it, it, they've been grossly underusing him since the first time they fucking signed him like and I think they dropped the ball on him and Gresham and them them not signing especially if you're doing Ring of Honor you bring in the the foundation like that's a dope ass you have these faction wars and all these other faction stuff set up like you had one literally from the company you just bought that was set up perfectly and and it had Jay Lethal who's your your veteran that you can plug in anywhere had Gresham who's a young up and coming guy and had Red Titus who's another vet uh, that could be the jobber if you need him to be like they had something perfectly set up ready to bring in to kind of usher us into that ring of honor and they dropped the fucking ball yeah, lethal lethal would have been so much better than Jericho to put him yes. in that position. Yeah. Like lethal should have been the guy that challenged all the former ROH guys because it makes more sense. Yeah. But again, they went the big show route with ECW, like we talked about earlier, and they failed. And this is this is Tony Khan's whole thing. He collects all these like little baseball cards and he's throwing these like, you know, guys out. Like that's why I feel like he's just he's got a collection and he doesn't know how to use this collection. No, like I said, he, he, uh, 
they they dropped the ball flat out. Like I said, like they dropped the ball. Yep. So in 2003, they renamed the Ring of Honor title to the Ring of Honor Worlds title. Do you think adding the Worlds to it added any prestige? Uh, there used to be the thing, Bobby, you and I have talked about it, where it had to be defended in so many countries before it could be claimed as a Worlds title or something. Three countries, four countries, six countries, whatever the hell it used to be. Do you guys think in 2022, if a promotion, if every promotion has a world's title, does making it the world's title may, mean a difference? No. Does that I make sense what I'm trying way. to ask? Yeah, I, I've, I've worked for a bunch of indie promotions, and they all had world championships. And, you know, they didn't leave a mountain city in Virginia. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time one one of the champions, quote unquote, was at a bar talking to like some friends of mine. And he goes, you know, I travel the country. I go from, you know, Pigeon Forge to Gatlinburg to Sevierville. And people in Tennessee will realize that's all one county. Yeah, you and, just go up Parkway. Yeah. So so this 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 guy, a friend of mine, um, friend of my friends goes, Did you say the country or the county that you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but putting world in there like you you might think it's big or whatever just because it's probably cheaper to buy that belt too because you can buy a replica wwf belt or you know wwe belt or wcw belt whatever dude no you're you're the champion of this gym like you should just be called the the you know severe county high school wrestling champion <laughs> like they should just like they all should be like besides like wwe and well, really just WWE because I don't think anybody else is traveling international. Like, there is no real world champion except in WWE. Everyone else should just be national champions or just your promotions champion. Like, it's – but I think it made, it made a difference for Ring of Honor then when they did it because that was when they were getting a lot of influx of the NOAA guys and some of the New Japan guys, and they were becoming more international. So, like, I understood why they did it then and to kind of just, like – that was when we were getting that indie boom too – like in the early 2000s where people were, indies were getting propped up and you were seeing them, they were getting TV deals, even though they were on at like three o'clock in the morning and shit. But it was still like a time, it was it was a, it was a great time to be alive for a young wrestling fan, tape trading and shit like that and finally getting shit on the internet. What do you guys think about promotions that use, when they, when they put their titles up, they base them like boxing divisions. So a heavyweight, a light heavyweight. You know what I mean? Triple uh, A, MCLL, both for a long time used the same weight divisions as boxing. Do you think wrestling would uh, would benefit from something like that, where they divided the guys up, or do you think it's a a better as a free for all, where they can bounce around between weight classes? I think it's an anchor. Like right. Mysterio said it, and I think Jericho's even said it. Like Jericho got put in the cruiserweight division in WCW, and it was an anchor. He couldn't go above that division. Um, <laughs> And I obviously, dogs. I have a fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, just so you know, Will Eb is in the chat on TikTok tonight, saying hello. Oh, it's um, the first time Eb has been on an episode of Botch Bots and Share Shots. I know it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's his premiere, but yeah, like I I think if you put those weights on them, unless you're gonna like really commit to those weights, then it's gonna fail and it's gonna right. hide the guys down. Like like Matt Hardy, he did a really good job when he tried to be the was a lightweight champion or cruiserweight champion in WWE where he was like making weight, making weight and made it important. But unless every guy's going to do that, I just don't see that it'll ever be important. 
I mean, I I kind of agree, but to me, like wrestling is about suspending disbelief. Like, there's if you put up weight classes, then what exactly are we suspending? What belief are we suspending when it comes to these matches and shit? Like, I, I don't, I don't, I never agreed with the weight classes. Like the cruiserweight title, it was dope. But I think I like the X division title idea more, where it's doesn't matter your weight, it's what is if you can compete in this division or not. You know what I'm saying? So like, I never, I don't, I don't like the weight class, and like you said, it, it puts a cap on guys. Like you get pigeonholed into being a cruiserweight wrestler, which half these guys did, and then once then what? Uh, Benoit became a world champ. Jericho became a world champ. Like all these guys that were cruiserweights. Like, it, look how long it took them to, like, wipe that stain off. So, like, I, I kind of agree with you, Bobby. Like, I don't – I get it to certain degrees, but, like, for the most part, everybody's five foot nine anyway. What the fuck do you need a cruiserweight title for? Speaking about some dudes that are five foot nine, that's the <laughs> perfect segue to my next segment. Bandito versus Jonathan Gresham. Because this was going back to the COVID shit. Like – Gresham beat Lethal. He won the belt. It's, he got given the first title because Bandito had the fifth version of the belt and then got sick oh, and couldn't compete yeah. for a little while. So they gave Gresham, when he won it, um, the the original Ring of Honor World title. At Supercon of, Supercard of Honor in April of 2022, Gresham became the undisputed Ring of Honor World's champion. Um, Arian, you've already hit on it quite a bit. Um, with the thoughts on Gresham, but uh, what do you guys think about uh, Gresham and Bandito and kind of utilizing two of these cruiserweight-style guys, these smaller to mid-sized guys, to be the focal point of your heavyweight world's heavyweight title division? Well, the thing with Gresham was, he, even though he was a little guy, he was he looks fucking huge, and, and you know what I'm saying? And he's strong as shit, so, like, I... I get it to a certain degree. And like, and some of the shit, like even in there with Claudio, it did kind of look weird. But I mean, once you see him get going and once you see him actually be able to like dunk some of these big ass dudes on their head, you understand why they propped him up. And like for him to be, for him to put the company on his back for the last three years, including the the pandemic era. So like, that's what always caught me about him. Like it was like, it, he looks huge. Like he doesn't look like he's five foot four fucking 180 or 160 pounds, whatever to say is like, he has no neck. Like he literally looks like a ball of muscle. So, muscle hamster is the best fucking uh, description books. A muscle hamster. <laughs> I'm writing down that timestamp. <laughs> um, Bobby, what do you think about Grisham and Bandito kind of having two, like the, the cruiserweight style guys running the, the show for as long as they did in ring of honor? I'm going to get booed from Marie. I have no clue who either one of these two guys are. If you put them in a lineup, I could not identify them. You didn't do your homework at all, Bobby. <laughs> Listen, you sent it to me like an hour before we went on the air. I sent you two weeks ago that we more than two weeks ago. Our end's known for two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I feel Bandito is in a Mexican luchador mascarota who is primarily known for his Get work off Wikipedia. Get out of here with your bullshit. <laughs> Al, you've seen both these guys work. Uh, do you like the the high-paced, fast, cruiserweight look of Bandito, especially when he clashes with a te technical wrestler like Gresham? Yeah, I mean, I like high-flying stuff. I think it's super cool. Um, but I love Gresham. Like, I don't know. He's just so tiny. You can, like, put him in your little pocket. <laughs> like, 
muscle answer is perfect. Like, it's fantastic. Like, and he's just so good. Like, I think that that AEW just really dropped the ball, like, when they let him go. Because he's amazing. Yeah. I think he could have been a... He would have been perfect for the All-Atlantic division. Mm-hmm. He would have been perfect for, you know, running against... Um, he wouldn't have been... Like, Wardlow... Imagine, like, somebody built, like, a brick shit house like Wardlow going against kind of, like... And I hate to say it because I don't want this to sound like a derogatory statement, but it would be like Wardlow's six foot four going against a five foot four version of Wardlow. He's Jonathan Gresham is equally built like a shit brick, a brick shit house, just yeah. in a much smaller stature of a body. But fuck, he went against somebody bigger than Wardlow. Claudio is bigger than Wardlow. Like everybody always acts like Wardlow's like fucking six nine, seven foot. He's literally six one. Like, <laughs> like he's not a fucking big guy. Like that's that that. We need to get past that Wardlow is a giant thing because it's not true. Like, he's literally a normal-sized guy. He's just fucking jacked. Gresham has a home and impact, according to Marie. Thank you. She likes his technical skills and uh, him versus Fred. Ro- I'm going to butcher it. Fred Yehi. Fred Rozier for New Japan Strong had a master class. I'll have to look that one up. I love good technical wrestling. Um, so that's one of my favorite things about him. I do give him yeah. a lot of shit for being a small stature guy, but it's kind of the same reason I talk about Adam Cole. I mostly mean it in fun and jest because, like, when you come down to it, Adam Cole is one of the most dominating NXT champions they've ever had. He's exactly. also on the next subject I'm bringing up, which is that three of the four members of Undisputed Era all held the Ring of Honor title at some point. Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, and Adam Cole. All three had successful runs and reigns as the Ring of Honor title. Uh, What do you guys think about what that says when you look at the guys who held that belt then came through NXT or FCW uh, or OVW through the developmentals? uh, Three of the four members of maybe the biggest faction in NXT history, all three held the Ring of Honor title at one point. And even at one point, Kyle O'Reilly took the belt off of Adam Cole and vice versa. Like, they were trading back and forth at one point. Well, that's what I was going to say. The Ring of Honor title put Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole on the fucking map. Like, we probably wouldn't know who they are if it wasn't for the Ring of them battling for the title and them being a tag team and all that shit and everything. So it was like Ring of Honor. If it wasn't Ring of for Ring of Honor, we would never would have got the Undisputed Era. Yeah, I don't think it's any secret that Triple H was definitely, like, hunting Ring of Honor and, like, getting his NXT guys from the indies. And, right. you know, Ring of Honor is the biggest indie out there. So, yeah, it's, you know... There's no reason like he wouldn't want these guys. Now PCO is probably another another issue. What do you guys think about PCO going all the way back to the Rougeos, like all the way back into the '80s? Do you think it says something about the tenure of his career to have been? He was the oldest person to hold the title when he held it. Uh, and do you think it says something about how long that man's been able to work? Because um, he's been in the business a minute. Like I said, he Shit debuted work, in 1988. Stand. Him doing no fucking 400 pounds doing those moonsaults and shit and jumping off the top rope and all that shit like that shit's crazy he held the ring of honor title two years ago yeah so i mean that was him like two years ago pco would have been 52 years old and he was the face of ring of honor wrestling what do you guys think about them putting the world title on a 52 year old guy do you think there's an age out in pro wrestling where you stop being the face of a promotion once you get to a certain age no, I think it's two things. I think one, he did reinvent his career, mm-hmm. but I also think it's a reflection of where Ring and Ring of Honor was two years ago, that they were like an NWA, you know, a 
kind of a dead promotion. Um, PCO had a lot, a lot of fanfare on the indies. Um, he, he definitely stepped up his game. Like that was the best he's probably ever been in his entire career. Right. Like, he finally had it on the mic. He definitely had some ring skill. Um, but you know, putting your, putting your belt on him, I'm, I'm not sure if like, that's the right move. Uh, you know, kind of like a Trevor Murdoch, which Murdoch is nowhere near his age, but I really feel like PCO, they, they capitalized off his internet success. Yeah. Which was smart. That's why I'm not going to give him shit for it. And like you said, like he completely reinvigorated himself within the last like five or six years. And like, he really can go in the ring to be an old fuck. Like he really can go and he's crazy as shit. He'll do hardcore matches. He'll jump off shit. He'll go through shit. So like, He'll, he'll put his body on the line for your company. And I think that was a lot of too why he got the belt is that he had, they did have some like crazy ass matches. And I think it was them kind of like rewarding him for like, for putting his body on the line for the company. And like you said, it was kind of just like a sign of the times too of what, how down Ring of Honor was. But I think that was like right when they lost Marty Scroll and all that shit and everything that was going on. So it was like kind of up in the air. But no, I, I don't, normally I am the shit on the old guy thing, but like, I actually watched how that all went down and like he and like like Bobby said, they were they were trying to capitalize and cash out on his indie fucking buzz, which he had a lot of from uh, PWG, all types of places where he was wrestling and catching buzz. So like I understand it. So like I, I won't be that guy this time. Yeah, I, like, I almost feel like he was a very lower level Terry Funk. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. That's the best way. Yeah. Like old as shit, like, why is he here? And then you see him go dunk his head through a fucking table. (laughs) Well, um, I've seen him live. Me and RN next week on the forward. (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward. (laughs) forward. Um, I've seen him live at, what was it? Was it NWA or was it Impact? We saw him both. Oh, both. He kind of creepy. But I will say... Jericho tied him for being the oldest because Jericho turned 52 while holding the belt this last time. So I'm going to throw a really random NFL reference in. Okay. The backup quarterback for the Washington Redskins is a guy named Josh Johnson. Okay. He's got close to, or the Washington commanders. Sorry, not the Redskins anymore. They changed their name. Don't cancel me. Um, Here's the, the gimmick. Um, or no, he plays on, he's, I don't know, but you'll see my point here in eight seasons, he's had 23 transactions and has played for like 19 different NFL teams. Okay. So here, here's the connection between those two PCO in 2018 wrestled in two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 20, 20, well over 25 different promotions in wow. 2018. This is my point. This dude has a ridiculous work rate. Um, mm-hmm. The amount of matches he's done, the amount of promotions he's worked in, like, he has close to a thousand matches in his career. You know what I mean? Like, this dude has been working a long-ass time. So I think that kind of says a lot of who PCO was and is in the wrestling industry as the oldest Ring of Honor champion. Yep. All right, guys, this is the part of the episode that I have been looking the least forward to. <laughs> I'm going to say three words. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of information, and then we're going to talk about his ass. But I'm going to limit it. We're not We're not going to blow it away. We're not going to spend a lot of time. 
It's the summer of CM Punk. All right. June of 2005, um, he defeated Aries to win the Ring of Honor title. This was super odd because he was about to sign with WWE. Bobby referenced it. He literally signed his contract for WWE on the Ring of Honor title. It garnered a lot of heat from the fans. So it was sometimes in some mar markets he was a really big face. Sometimes in some markets he was a really big heel. This is where he kind of started to garner his cult-like following from the counterculture, straight-edge stuff. Like This is when he really started to shape who CM Punk became. What do you guys think about CM Punk? I, I like CM Punk. Um, I do too. Yeah, he... I think I think he's underrated, and I know that kind of blows people's mind because a lot of people think he's overrated. Right. I think CM Punk, one, he doesn't have a natural athletic background. Like he's an emo kid, like he's you know a music guy. He never played sports. He loved pro wrestling, and unlike probably some people in this room, like that we're listening, like that we're talking about, he had the balls to just go out there and do it and try it like and he succeeded at it at the highest level possible wwe champion you know wrestled the rock um you know and you know yes have an attitude backstage so the wwe when he left there a lot of guys said he was a locker room leader he got that chip off his shoulder AEW, depending on if you talk to the Bucky crew or you talk to the other side, he was a locker room leader and he was willing to listen and give advice. One side didn't want advice. One side didn't want to learn. The other side did. CM Punk, to me, will go down underrated because they are going to put his, they're going to put that chip on his shoulder above what the guy can do in the ring and what the guy could have done backstage so this summer of punk i think was amazing i did watch some of this stuff um retro because everybody knew he was gonna leave but they wouldn't stop cheering him and they kept going because he believed in his character and i think that's what cm punk does his entire career is he believes in himself and he gets people to believe in him right like I, I was kind of like CM Punk's in my top five wrestlers of all time, like my list. But this last run, like I was kind of getting sick of him with the shit to be in the King Tanker's dickhead in the back. But then all of this shit happened with Regal and everything like that. Maybe he was right. So maybe we were hating on him for no reason. Maybe it is a bunch of idiots running a wrestling promotion and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Children. Children. So I, like I said, I love CM Punk. I loved him because. Like, like Bobby said, like he literally is not who are no type of athletic background, no real family life, no real support. Like he literally is what pulling yourself from the fucking bottom is the complete and total definition of like the American dream, baby. Literally the American dream, like literally like sleeping on other people's couches and shit and everything to becoming a world champion wrestling the rock at WrestleMania and shit. So it's like I love him. I've always I'm always going to love him like. He's got a smoking hot wife, too, and he's kind of like he's just done everything you you can in the wrestling business. And he's like, I don't know, like I, I've always on the summer punk was when I started to love him, like really jumped on board. And I'm like, fuck, this dude can talk like you don't even need him. 
he don't need, why is he with Paul Heyman? He doesn't need Paul Heyman. <laughs> like he like he's one of the only person that Paul Heyman has ever been with that may talk just as good as Paul or better. So it's like, no, nah, he's he's in my top five. Like I like I said, maybe he was right about AEW. I'm wondering, hold on, I'm wondering why Will didn't say I'm marking this as when you said smoking hot wife. Because every time I talk about a woman, I get <laughs> Bobby's getting marked at. An hour thirty-eight. There you go, Bobby. You feel better? <laughs> okay, much better. Allison, what's up with CM Punk? Um, specifically as far back as you can think, which would be like what August of twenty twenty-one when he debuted. Yeah, that's really uh, <laughs> all I know about CM Punk. Unfortunately, uh, I have not. Honestly, I have not even watched. A single match of his from WWE either. I've only seen his AEW run. His AEW run. Watch his watch his match with John Cena Mm -hmm. when he's leaving the company that night, and listen to that Chicago crowd. Like it's it's incredible. Or under his story with the Undertaker building up to WrestleMania with the urn and Paul Bearer just died, like in real life. Like Heyman. Like the whole run as a Heyman guy. It's clobber in time. She doesn't know about any of this. Mm-mm. We're going to have to go through a CM Punk primer in the next couple days. <laughs> Are you checking your pulse, Bobby? Is your heart yes, rate up? I am. I am. The fact it's that good. Allison's never seen CM Punk work in a WWE ring made his heart rate go up. I'm sorry. The straight edge society shit is like where, I'm, where I always lay my hat. Dude, straight edge society is amazing. Like that was like so like... Like he took a Jesus persona in yeah. WWE and got it over. He had women, like old women, trying to slap him at house shows in the in the two thousands. Like he made them feel like what pro wrestling was in the fifties. Right. Like literally, that was the most controversial thing in WWE at the time. Like all the shit they had going on, all the stuff with women and like all the crazy storylines. The most controversial thing they had going on was a guy that didn't smoke or drink. Yeah. Like, like think about that. Yeah, people people hated the clean guy. Like People hated him because yeah, he didn't smoke and he didn't drink. He was literally the biggest heel on SmackDown because he didn't smoke and drink. Yep, and that was wrap, something wrap that he did. Like, that. Yeah, that, that's what he did in the indies to get over. Like, that's why yeah. he got recognized for ROH. Like, this guy was the opposite of good, and everybody loved him or hated him because of that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was like anti-Hulk Hogan. Mark that down, Will. Anti-Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, like he was the anti-hero. Like he he's he's Deadpool. Yeah. That's that that yeah. Uh CM Punk versus Raven done right. That was a great feud from Marie. CM Punk homicide was good. Samoa Joe versus CM Punk, two out of three falls. Like she's rattling off matches for us that just kind of go. He also, in the 55 days during the summer of punk. He had four successful title defenses in 55 days. So think about that. That doesn't count any house shows he worked or any tag matches he did. That was four successful title defenses in 55 days before he dropped the belt. Um, CM Punk, I've said in the past and I'll say it again, fantastic worker, fantastic on the stick. But if everybody everywhere you ever work says that you're toxic backstage, that's going to be what everybody wants to talk about. So I think, like, my big thing is I'm looking at it from the in-ring perspective. Um, Like, the dude's gold in-ring. He can work. He can talk. 
He shows that he can be a champion. He can carry a company on his back. Like, a lot of the same stuff we've said about people like Jay Lethal or Bandito or Jonathan Gresham, CM Punk is able to be that guy as long as it's under the parameters that CM Punk wants it to be. Right. Once Which it goes I, that's, up. Yeah. That's my thing is, like, he gets labeled as toxic because he doesn't want to do what everyone else wants him to do. Like, that's that's the part that always, like, rubbed me the wrong way about how he was perceived or what they said about him because they never said – he really did anything to anybody. They never said he really disrespected anybody. They just said that he didn't take shit when management tried to have him do some stupid shit that he thought would affect his bottom line. So what is really that toxic about it? I say I say punk has got that rated Y stigma. Like right. Basically what it is, is he puts his opinion out there and he doesn't give a shit what other people say. No. Should he have lost to The Rock? No. That should not have ended his title reign. Should he have lost the taker? Probably not either. Like, should he have made it in WrestleMania? Yes, he should have. Like, he should have. Like, he belonged at that main event of WrestleMania. Like, you've got King Kong Bundy, Mr. T, Paul Orndorff, main eventing WrestleMania. That's what I'm saying. Like, all the shit that we hear about him and all the, like, he's toxic stuff, like, we've never really seen or heard that he attack somebody physically or cuss somebody out or disrespect somebody's wife. It's always issues with management. And like, and that's what, that's, that's what I hate about athletes and teams and shit and everything like that. We as fans, we always put the fucking organizations on a pedestal and like give people like, Oh, he signed that money. He's like, motherfucker, it's still a job. No. Like, he, like you don't have to do anything just because you signed a contract. Sometimes you don't want to do go out there and get fucking sprayed with a, a fire hydrant or, get hit in the face with a fucking cake or whatever dumbass ideas Vincent Pritchard could come up with. So like, that's my thing is like, it's always issues with management and then he gets labeled as toxic or not a team player. It's like any, anybody in sports, like if you go against the team, even though the team can cut you trade and do whatever the fuck they want you and throw you aside the next day after they get signed you to a huge contract. But you're like, that, that's the part with CM Punk where, I never got behind any of that toxic shit because it's it's always issues with management. The difference between Punk and Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman is a politician. Right. I and think... Punk, uh, and, I, and I've had that in my career outside of this. Like my <laughs> career, same thing. I'm not a politician. If I don't think that the sky is blue today, I'm going to tell you it's gray. No matter what picture you want to paint. Big time. I lost my train of thought because Bobby cut me off. I had something clever to say. <laughs> um, well, uh, I guess that's it. That was everything on my list. So uh, let's kind of look at it from a closing perspective. Everything we've talked about, some of the guys we've gone through, um, not to leave off the Christopher Daniels and the Jay Briscoes and all the amazing stuff that we didn't get to. Um, I just made a list of some of my favorite things that I wanted to chat with my friends about. Um, so let's kind of to wrap it up and kind of look at like uh, kind of a closing thoughts on the Ring of Honor title, the guys we've talked about, some of the matches we've mentioned, uh, just like that. Let's kind of go around the circle and kind of give our closing thoughts on it now. Let me go. I can go first. I don't care. Go ahead. You're you're the guest, and You always go first. No, uh, Ring of Honor is is giving us some of the greatest WWE champions and some of the biggest stars in the past. What? 15 years so to me i've i've, I've it is, it's wwe's feeder system and it always has been always has been to me seth rollins daniel bryan 
uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, uh, Adam Cole, like all these fucking dope guys, AJ Styles to a certain extent, you know what I'm saying? Like all these guys that are headlining and main eventing WWE, Triple H took them all from Ring of Honor. So for me, it's always going to be WWE's main event feeder system. And I, I think eventually, maybe when it's all said and done, they will get credit for that. But that's how I was always looked at it. Bobby? <clears throat> like, I would tie this into a pissed off of greatness. I think it's bad that AEW got the library because I really feel like WWE could have done a lot more with this library. You've got guys like Jamie Noble, CM Punk, Austin Aries, Samoa Joe, you know, all, you know, all the people RN mentioned that really brought this thing to a next level. And I think WWE probably would have been smart enough if they would have bought it, they would have killed it and put it on the video library. And we'd get some really good behind the scenes content. We get some really good documentaries um, of these guys. And unfortunately at this point in time, I think AEW with this whole thing with Claudio um, and Chris Jericho and back to Claudio, I think they're, I think they're watering down the legacy. And I think it's a lot like what ECW was like we talked about earlier with RN. Um, I feel like AEW is going to do that with ring of honor. They're not going to mean to, but at this point in time, the legacy's the legacy's dead. I hope that you know if AEW is really serious about it, they can relaunch it. But it doesn't need to be AEW light. It needs to be Ring of Honor. Agree. Agree. Siegel, you're up. Um. Closing thoughts on the Ring of Honor title. So. Here's the deal. Uh, I need to watch more Ring of Honor. That's really my uh, closing arguments because I haven't really watched a lot of Ring of Honor, like literally at all. I will say they are the only of the bigger promotions that I have not seen live. Um, Technically, I guess I've seen Ring of Honor matches in other promotions, but not an actual like Ring of Honor show. Um, I need to go back and learn a little bit more of the history of CM Punk. Uh, I should do some homework. Like, I'm good on a lot of old things. Y'all have to, y'all have to admit, for only have being, like, learning about this for two years, like, I can pretty well, like, You can carry a up. conversation, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so, and I just my, like, need nine to year old some... What'd you say, Bobby? That she reminds me of nine-year-old me. <laughs> nine-year-old me. Does that mean in 30 years she's going to be a creepy old white man? <laughs> Only if she wears contacts and cuts her hair. <laughs> Don't cut your hair. I will never. Ever. Um, my final thoughts on the Ring of Honor world title, I'm just kind of following with RN. I think it's always been kind of a feeder system for WWE. Call it what it is. Uh, Adam Cole... You know, Tyler Black, Samoa Joe, uh, Brian Danielson, Jay Lethal. You just look at the list of guys we've talked about. And like I said, we didn't even talk about Christopher Daniels. We didn't even bring up one Christopher Daniels match. And, you know, he's a workhorse everywhere he's ever been, and we didn't even bring him up. Um, I feel like we didn't even really talk about the fact that Ring of Honor brought over the Bullet Club from New Japan for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, there were so many things we could have talked about the revolving around Ring of Honor. Like I said, I made a list of the things that stood out to me as a fan that I remembered really well. 
Um, but it's uh, the big takeaway is absolutely right. Bobby, you're right. WWE should have bought Ring of Honor so they could have got the library. And RN is right that uh, what I was saying when I first started about how uh, with the you know the feeder system into WWE and all of that. Um, woo, we made it. I've never I've never heard I'm right more than this <laughs> by multiple people. I will really tell weird. you this, Bobby. I will tell you. When I text RN today, and I, I'm gonna put I put mine and RN's business out there, so to speak. When I text him today, and he asked who was gonna be on it, I said me and you, Bobby and Al. It'll just be the four of us. And he was like, "Bet, hell yeah!" Like he, I like Bobby, so I, I was hyped to get the two of you on to uh, on the show today. You are always, yeah, dude. Yeah, like I said, weekly uh, the fast forward, uh, me and RN <laughs> yeah. and Yellow Shoe Guy. We look forward to seeing you and talking pro wrestling. Get you yeah, guys no, up. like I said, I I dig. Like I said, Bobby is Bobby, but I'm not gonna lie. Ninety percent of the shit he says, I agree with. Like I I can't. I mean, it is what it is. Like I'm. I guess I'm the fucking grumpy old white man too. I guess. <laughs> well, let me uh, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> one hour 51 seconds <laughs> we, 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 have get, we have to get those other two guests on from last week uh to go against me and rn uh, well, you, last week was katie and kyle <laughs> <laughs> wow that's two-thirds of kk mm. Mm. oh wow no, bobby no. i gave hey hey i'll go there i gave i literally just did a white sheet joke on kyle on the rewind <laughs> <laughs> all right there uh this is it, guys. We made it an hour and 45 minutes, almost to the minute, 145.22. Um, so we slid right in there. Perfect timing. RN, plug your stuff. Tell everybody what you got going on over the Rewind, what's new and exciting in your world. Uh, we uh, The Rewind is Sundays or Mondays, whenever or we Tuesday. decide that we want to record, <laughs> or Tuesdays. We kind of just uh, play it by ear. <laughs> Whatever day ends in Y. Whatever day we end up recording. But no, me and Kyle do the Rewind. Uh, you guys are more than welcome to come on. Like we enjoy having guests for sure. Uh, got Mean Jelly Bean Productions on on YouTube. Check out some of the videos. Like play it loud for your mothers and grandmothers. They'll definitely love some of the stuff we have. Uh, <laughs> mean, mean Jelly Bean memes on Facebook. My actual uh, IG account is ARA8984. Hit me up on there to talk about wrestling or whatever. Uh, Route 4 Kennels. At Route Four Kennel on IG, like we sell dogs, we sell dreams. Anything you guys? Oh, and Mister Eight Nine Eighty Four on Twitter. If you want to talk shit, I want all the smoke. All the smoke. <laughs> Bobby Mac, plug your stuff. Oh man, you can find me on Twitch. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on TikTok. It's all the Yellow Shoe Guy. If you want to go on the Oculus Meta too, Yellow Shoe Guy is there as well. I just hit a hundred. Uh, whatever the GPs are on Grand Theft Auto. So I think that's a big deal. I'm not really sure. But yeah, definitely follow me on TikTok. We're at 8,300 uh, followers right now. The goal is to get 10,000. So, you know, we can start making some of that sweet moolah. Like, fabulous. That was a really lame pun, Bobby. Hey, I'm not supposed to say her name on this. Show. No, that's not. That's not true at all. Oh, okay. Like fabulous moolah. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, plug your stuff. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and the Tiki Talkies at JustAGirl918. Uh, please follow me on TikTok so that I can go live with Bobby and 
deal with uh, some of these. Whistle talk people. I don't know. Like I want to talk to them so bad sometimes, and I can't because I only have two hundred and eighteen followers. Um, this for the next cup like week and a half. Net, I'll be continuing my twelve days of wrestlemas. Um, it's really funny. I've taken the twelve days of Christmas and turned it into uh, wrestling puns um, <laughs> as gifts from. Uh, Papa H. Um, I'm going to get back into the swing of getting a comic done every week for the Hill Support Group. Um, we have a new character joining our crew. Very excited about that. So uh, watch out for WrestleMess and uh, Hill Support Group. Uh, follow the Kai Tai Show. Uh, lead host of the Smack Girl podcast and the Rewind. Follow Matt Rim- Matt Ritter, M A T T R I D D E R at Smackin' It Raw Pod. Follow Ted the Hillbilly Hill at the Hill Truth Podcast. Follow Katie Wrestling, uh, Katie Kinsey Baby. Follow BC Hunter. Follow Marie Shadows. Follow Wrestling with the Truth. Follow SES Vince. Follow Dad Hat Wrestling. Follow Jack's Bow Zero Eight Nine. Follow all my friends, please. But follow Bama. Follow Bama Chatter. Follow all my friends, please. But now as we close another episode of Watch Bots and Share Shots, I want to take a minute thank you for listening. Remind you to go wherever you do anything on the internet. Like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling me how great I am or how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and it helps find new listeners. If you're feeling really generous to be one of the VIP people, head over to Patreon.com and donate to the Smack Thrall Podcast Network. You get some fantastic swag. We get some fantastic guests. It's a win-win. For the Yellow Shoe Guy, Bobby Mack. For RN. For the Boss Bitch, Miss Allison Siegel. I am the Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people.